Welcome to 10 Minutes, a breakout investor podcast. Today, we are talking about QIPT, ticker Q-I-P-T. And with us today to provide an update is breakout investor Aaron Warwick. But first, a disclaimer. No one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. This podcast is for information purposes only. Before investing in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investors Discussion app, which is located at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The application and much of the research content is free. After registering and logging in, use the search bar at the top right of any page. Type in the ticker and the results will give you a link to the research post with this podcast and to other discussion and research relating to today's company. Now on to our topic, Quipped, ticker Q-I-P-T. Aaron, uh, Quipped uh, uh, reported earnings this week. It was good. The stock moved. Uh, what uh, background information can you give us to better understand the opportunity for breakout investors? Yeah, very nice move this week, actually, on, on two pieces of news. The first one being uh, Monday morning, they announced a new acquisition, uh, helping them expand in a new region, new to them region, and then also uh, the earnings report. Um, I think the best background to give on them in terms of you know, the move this week is we, we've talked about it before on podcasts. I've certainly written an article about it and discussed it at, at great length on our board. Um, and that is the, the fact that Quip had a, a warrant overhang as well as some uh, headwinds uh, facing the industry and facing some of their peers that didn't necessarily impact Quip in the same way. And so I think because of, of those reasons, the stock really made a, a nice move off the earnings report and the acquisition. Well, I think that uh, people also picked up that this the uh, revenue number was 41% higher year over year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, that's because of their strategy that they've had in place with these acquisitions. But also, uh, I don't want to you know, de-emphasize this either, is their organic growth, uh, which is, is now about 10, 11%, which you know, doesn't sound like super sexy compared to what some of the software companies and things like that get. But when you look at it being double uh, the current industry standard on the high side, um, they're, they're doing quite well at that as well. Agreed. Uh, the company, though, is still trading down from where it traded, what, three to six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I expected the company to be performing better. What, 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 could you review again what some of the things might be that are holding the stock back? Yeah, and just to clarify, you, um, I think what you meant is you expected the stock to be performing better because I don't think the company has, has uh, done anything that, that uh, unexpected other than to continue doing what, what we all hoped for. But the stock, I think, uh, again, a couple of things, there's been some headwinds in the industry. Just some of their peers have been hit by company-specific issues, and that's drug down um, their valuation. Uh, I think, as I mentioned on one of our first podcasts about Quipped, you know, my expectation was that it wouldn't cover uh, recover quite as quickly as maybe you expected in large part, just because so many people trade off of technicals today. And so when you have this drop from the 52 week high of $8 and 40 cents down to like five fifteen or so, which is the roughly around the warrant exercise price, you know, the technicals look broken. And then you also get some people that quite frankly, I've heard of uh, them that have been aware of this name through our research uh, who got in in the, in the low fives, the mid fives, and, and some of them don't know the company that well. And so I think, you know, they viewed it more as a trading position. And I think we're working through uh, some of that right now as well on the way back up. Some people taking profits off the table or people that just uh, got in to flip it. 
Well, that's certainly possible. Now, uh, what I was uh, referring to is uh, the, the Philip situation. So that is the latest of background noise issues, which might be uh, holding Quip back. Could you just uh, give the listeners a quick review of that topic? Yeah, great point, Scott. Um, and I was actually really pleased with how the company um, dealt with this head on on their earnings call earlier this week. Uh, what happened is Philips had a massive recall with, with several of their products. Now, Philips is, is one of the biggest providers of, of uh, CPAP products and other um, oxygen products in the, in the market. They're a supplier for Quip. Um, now, Quip did not mention this um, specific numbers on the earnings call, but roughly what I gather from my research is, um, first of all, that the amount of revenue that is even exposed to the equipment that was recalled in total for Quipped is about 20% of their business. Um, of that 20% of their business, probably only about 20% of that was actually exposed to Philips. And the reason for that is because Quipped's primary supplier is, is a Philips competitor called ResMed. Now, what happened with Philips and, and this um, recall it creates a, a real logjam in, in the uh, device system because people continue to need CPAPs and other of, of these devices. And so when you have one out of two main suppliers that has this massive recall, of course, a lot of people are now going from Philips to ResMed to try to get um, supplies that they can't currently get from Philips because Philips is working uh, through this recall. And so what that does is it just backs up the supply chain. What Quip said on the call is that they continue to work with Philips. They're not going to incur any costs. Philips is, is of course, incurring all the costs from the recall itself. But in terms of, of being supplied through the end of the quarter, they had no disruption. Uh, it sounds like maybe they've had a slight disruption this quarter, but it's very minor. They had, they had uh, knew this was coming. Uh, had prepared for it, had, had sort of stocked up and, and had prepared with ResMed so that they can address um, their needs. But I expect this to be very small on the business, uh, a small negative impact on the business short term, if any. And then, Scott, we can also talk about potential upside down the road if you'd like. Sure, sure. That's, that's, I think you're going to be talking now about the acquisition pipeline. Yeah, and specifically related to um, what I want to get into is this recall. Um, uh, hey, but before you go too deep into that, let's just spend a second. Now, Equipped uh, is a durable medical equipment company which operates primarily in the southeast, and it's also got some some big locations uh, up in the area around Maine. Now, the company's primary growth driver, the, co the company's organic growth is around 10, 11%, but it's going to grow much faster than that, primarily through acquisition. They've recently announced two deals each about 5.5 million in size. And these deals have gotten them into Florida, gotten them into California. I think they've done, uh, uh, they've, they've got, had a piece of Missouri in each of those acquisitions. So uh, rapid growth, it's going to grow by growth. And you're about to talk about how the Philips CPAP recall might uh, be positive for the company's acquisition pipeline in the future. Yep. That's, uh, so what we, we learned on the conference call, somebody asked the question about whether some businesses would, you know, that would be struggling. I mean, you're talking about some mom and pop businesses, um, you know, in, in the $5 million or below range in terms of revenue. 
that may, you know, rely entirely on Phillips for their supply. And these businesses are, of course, going to be hurt uh, more than uh, bigger companies like Quipped uh, in terms of getting their supplies or because they just have so much over-reliance on Phillips. And they may not have the liquidity to withstand the estimated nine to 12 months is what I'm reading before the market sort of normalizes in that space. And so uh, an analyst asked if this would create opportunities and, and Quipped uh, very wisely responded that, you know, it possibly could, but that at this point they're waiting to see uh, the market show signs of normalizing before they start to make those acquisitions. So in other words, what they're saying is, you know, we're not going to go out now um, thinking that this is going to resolve itself in nine to 12 months and take the risk of buying a company now that might be looking to sell. We're going to wait until we see clarity that this isn't going to go on for 18 or 24 months or whatever it is. We're going to wait till we see that clarity. And then when we do, will opportunistically uh, pounce on some of these businesses that that have been hit and that and they might be looking to, you know, to get out. I want to pick up on something that you just referenced, which is the analysts on the call. Did you notice that there were eight analysts that participated in Quip's call earlier this week? Yes, because you pointed it out to me. <laughs> I knew they had, I know they have decent analyst coverage. Um, and, and I was actually impressed. And most of those are Canadian um, because they were, uh, until recently, primarily uh, um, traded on the Canadian exchange. But uh, I'm impressed actually with the analyst questions. I think people that are interested in this company should go look at the conference call because a lot of good information came out from the questions. It's clear that several of those analysts really understand their business. Which is a good thing because you do get good questions and, and, and a better understanding of the business. But what I'm seeing starting to set itself up is uh, Quipped is going to grow through acquisition. It's got a aggressive acquisition pipeline. We've got a whole bunch of analysts that are eager to follow the story, support the story. They probably, you know, represent bankers that would, would love to uh, do some capital markets work for the company. But the point being, there's a lot of attention on this company, a lot of support, a lot of people are writing. And I think, you know, within the next year, maybe early next year, uh, we're going to see Quip really start to take off. And one of the reasons for this is a recent hire that the company made, a VP of business development. Do you recall the man's name? Yeah, his name is David Chester. And I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the things I wanted to, to make sure we talk about here. Uh, and, and Mr. Chester comes from Adapt Health, much larger company, uh, $3 billion market cap compared to 200 and some million right now with Quip. Uh, but Chester has 20 plus years of experience in, in the field uh, of DME, specifically around M&A activity. And so this was a very nice hire uh, for Quipped. And, and one thing I want to point out, Scott, one area where I think an analyst was kind of off is that one of the analysts, I don't remember who it was, in his report after earnings said, well, you know, you don't bring in a guy like David Chester to keep doing um, these small $5 million type deals. And, and I don't think that that's accurate, what that analyst said. Um, well, certainly not every deal that Quip does is going to be, you know, $5 million. Um, they're still interested in those. And the reason for that can be uh, in these smaller ones, the reason for that, there can be multiple reasons, actually. One of them is just the, the, simply the return on your investment. You look at the one that they announced on Monday, they picked up a company that they expect after Synergies will have, I think they said, $1.1 million in adjusted EBITDA. And they picked them up for like $2.25 million in cash. 
So, you know, you, <laughs> you make a couple of those deals a year. Those are nice tuck-in acquisitions. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, one of the reasons they were so interested in that company is because it allows them to expand in a state that you mentioned earlier, Missouri, uh, create a hub for them uh, there in the middle of the country as they start to expand, you know, geographically across the U.S. It's a strategic location for them. And they um, diversify their payer mix. They uh, pick up some insurance contracts that, frankly, you could work a decade and you have no assurance that you're going to get that contract in Missouri if you're if you're a, a newcomer. So you buy out an incumbent. They already have that contract in place and you're good to hit the ground running and start to expand. Now, one of the things that uh, people have spoken of as a risk factor for the company is the fear that, like the company has in its past, it's going to do a capital raise involving warrants. We just had a bad experience with warrants. But as I look at the company's balance sheet, I see $30 million in cash. I see no debt. I know that they've got a CIT credit relationship of $20 million. And the company has assured me that that is just just a starter. If they needed to borrow money in order to fuel their growth, do acquisitions, that CIT is good for even more. I think this company, if it leverages itself up maybe to two times EBITDA, we're talking almost a $100 million war chest. I don't think this company is going to be doing any equity financings. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to uh, agree with that. I mean, there's always the possibility they have talked about, you know, potential um, larger acquisitions, but I just don't sense that any of those are, are, are super near. There's certainly not a lot of those types of companies out there. So I think that they are going to tend to, first of all, they're going to stay in the range of that um, five to $20 million for the most part, in which case, I mean, they have enough cash, they could probably make most of those deals without even levering up. And then I think the worst case scenario, when you talk about um, raising capital would be just for a portion of a larger deal. I don't think it would be for the entire deal. So if, you know, just theoretically talking about uh, buying out a $50 million, $75 million revenue company, if they had to, um, uh, if they have more needs than their current cash on hand, I think they would lever up to the, probably about that two times level that you mentioned. And then if there's any additional, perhaps they either grant that in, in stock or they, they go to the capital markets. But I think it would be for a relatively minor amount because they're in such a different position than they were even a year ago. Well, I, wanna, I, I just want to go further than that. I mean, it's almost inconceivable to me that a company with $30 million in cash, $20 million credit loan, the ability to borrow 20, 30, 40 more than that has any thought at all about going to capital markets on an equity rates. It just, it just, it, it doesn't even seem to be in the cards. And I'm trying to encourage people to talk that way, that there's no reason to think that this company is going to issue any equity at all. I don't think we should condition it. I don't think we should say in the, in the case of a just stupendously large deal, because as you just said, I don't think there are any of those out there. Yes, I agree with you, but I just uh, I've been used to with the seeking alpha articles always uh, having a risk section, and so I just don't want anyone to overlook and say that they, you know, that we didn't talk about that. But uh, no, I agree with you. I, I think it's very minor in terms of uh, probability, but it is just something that I put out there as a risk because, as I said, I've been conditioned to that. But I totally agree with your way of thinking, and, I, and I, I think my gathering from the company is they think the same way. Well, I got you to agree with me, so let's call that 10 minutes. Thank you very much, Aaron. <laughs> Thank we you, We are Scott. Breakout Investors. This podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understanding today's company and the research and collaboration we do. 
Please join us for discussion on this podcast and for other breakout ideas on our discussion platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The Breakout Investor 10-Minute Podcast is syndicated and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, listen, and give us a five-star review. Some or all the speakers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. The views in this podcast expressed are those of the speakers, not breakout investors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Neither breakout investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor, known as providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.